Hello, you're listening to episode 5 of the Great Underreaction Podcast, a satirical sports podcast by Callum White and Andrew Seaton. On this week's episode, we find out that England have liftoff. We investigate the travails of being a mascot in the modern world, Andy takes a deep dive on the UFC crisis, and Robert Huth tells us his thoughts on the El Clasico. We've got, as ever, our trope of the week, and this week... Andy shares us his deepest, most meaningful thoughts. Let's go. Okay, wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper. Gotta get the paper. Every morning gotta go and get the paper. And a nice cup of coffee. Or the one with two espresso shots and a core red eye. Ain't no teller how many newspapers. Okay, so welcome to episode five of the Great Underreaction podcast, a satirical sports podcast with me, Callum White, and as always, Andrew Ernesto Seaton. Andrew, how are you? Who are are you again? Callum White. It's been so long, man. It's been so long. we've not recorded for almost a month now, which is, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had baying fans me too literally a sum total of zero people have mentioned it to me <laughs> oh really zero <laughs> yeah oh, zero God, that's brutal. yeah you know, i've had half a dozen oh uh, so what, what have you been doing what, what's been going on in your life presumably big things mm, no i can't think of anything no good excuses all right then so um <laughs> let's just get on with the show then Right, I'm going to put a little tick. I've got a rundown written down here. And mm-hmm. I'm going to put a little tick next to intro and pithy banter. <laughs> so um, it was a very long time ago that we did the last episode, but um, we did make some predictions for the future, and they've had plenty of time now to come true. Um, I'm sure everyone that's listening can remember, but just in case they can't, then Andrew, you predicted this. My prediction actually is going to be Jack Wilshire's other ankle gets injured during surgery on his <laughs> injured ankle. <laughs> I think that during surgery, surgery, he's going to fall off his surgery bed and injure the other one. Yeah, I think that's And it'll be that. a minor niggle, and then he'll get a minor cleanup surgery on it that's expected timeline two to three weeks, and he will next play again in 2020. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. Okay, so Andrew, you thought that Jack Wilshire would get injured again after being injured and <laughs> suffer a setback. Yes. Now, I don't know how you managed to do this, <laughs> but two days ago, Jack Wilshire suffered a setback in his return from the ankle injury that he suffered. Yes, I have not. Re- <laughs> I could not remember my prediction for the fucking life of me, and I'm so glad that. Uh, it came true this week. That's brilliant. We could have done um, this. Our, we could have done this like last week. This I know, and then uh, it would have seemed yeah. like it wasn't right, but it just needed time to germinate. Oh, Wilshire, this is from the Independent. Wilshire, who joined West Ham from Arsenal in a free transfer at the start of the season, underwent minor ankle surgery after picking up the injury against Wolves early last month. However, he remains on the sidelines due to some inflammation around the ankle pushing his likely return to next month. How do you think he got the inflammation, Andy? Uh, I think 
I have no idea. Someone coughed. He made like uncle. some minor contact with someone in a <laughs> supermarket aisle or something, and then that was him for weeks. What do you think? What uh, What did they call Abu Dhabi? They called him something that he really didn't like. It. They called him like the Man of Glass. Was it? <laughs> they called him that. And it really hurt his feelings. I read an interview with him, and he was like, "I wish people would stop calling me the Man of Glass." Yeah, uh, because he. I was, mean, that, but be Jack Wilson is like something like that. The Man of. I'm just going to look at. Abu Dhabi's injury history on uh, transfermarks.com. He had an ankle injury in October that kept him out for 62 days. Then he came back from that injury and immediately got a strain, which kept him out for a month. He came from back from that injury and then immediately had calf problems. Then he had ankle surgery, then muscular problems, which kept him out for three months. God, stop, just stop, (laughs) just stop. He had eight injuries between what I just read out and there, and then he had a cruciate ligament rupture, which kept him out for over a year. He came back from that, and then 14 slash 15 injuries. They've got him out 20 days with unknown injury. He plays one game and then injures his calf, which keeps him out for almost 10 months. He was injured so much that on the injury uh, listing page for Abu Dhabi, it's got two pages. You have to click another page to go to his other injuries. Can you see what, since he left Arsenal, what has he been injured? Yeah, he had ankle surgery on September 9th, 2016 and has not returned. Oh, no, Abu Dhabi. He's no. been out for 772 days. Poor guy. I know, oh, poor, poor Abu Dhabi. And Jack Wilshere, to be fair, has not been that much better. So that was an outrageously good prediction. I'm very happy. with. I got the prediction right. I'm very sad for Jack Wilshere, obviously. Um, if you can't remember my prediction, then it was this. My prediction is that I think Spurs are going on a little bit of a wane just now. And I think that the has Pochettino lost his magic or has the Spurs project come to an end or something to do with Spurs being in crisis is going to be my prediction. Yeah, so I was I was wrong. Although you were correct to, to note that Pochettino didn't get a huge amount of flack for not making any signings Mm -hmm. i mean the last month or so there has been lots of questions and articles about him not making signings and like he's now saying i'm gonna buy players in january so he is standing under a bit of pressure but i don't think Mm -hmm. i don't think it was a good prediction for me even though at the time you made your jack wilshire prediction as a joke (laughs) and mine was a serious (laughs) well-considered opinion i'm a maverick that kind of says quite a lot about just like sports journalism in general, though. Like someone who's more knowledgeable, which I think it's fair to say I am, mm. trying harder to think about things looks like an arsehole at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that I think your prediction will come true at some point in this season because I think Spurs they can't maintain their level. I'm just so convinced this season is the season when they they dip out the top four. All right, so I, I've got a new segment idea. I want to I want to swing it by you. 
Wow, our pre-production meeting is for new segment proposals, Andy. But we're we're going to allow it. It's part Let's of the go. Intro, Let's go. Right? It should be fairly quick, right? Okay, I'll give you the uh-huh. title. I'll, I'll give you the title. Andy, okay. it's called Andy speaks his truth. Andy speaks his truth. Yeah. Can we get it like a? Is there a sign drop or a theme tune that we can play for that? No, there's not. It's more serious than that because I'm speaking my truth, man. Okay. <laughs> Right, it's like the inner okay. core of my being. I know, I've learned this phrase recently on the internet. The inner core of your being. No, no, like I've I've just, speaking your truth. Yeah, I've, I've seen it on the uh, internet. Okay. It, and as far as I can tell, it refers to when people are like being authentic and saying something that is deeply meaningful to them. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, straight up. Yeah. Straight. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Well. Well. This moment of silence and. Okay. Okay. So. This is what I want to do. When I'm watching sports, reading about sports, just about my day-to-day life, I have these great ideas. And I've got, they sometimes they just come into my head and then they vanish into the ether and I never think them again. Now I've got a podcast. I'm going to tell you my great ideas. It's got like four bullet points. It'll just be a rapid fire. And I'll just tell you some great ideas that I've had. Mm-hmm. sports. And because I'm speaking okay. my truth, Callum, that means you can't be mean. Okay. Because it's I'm so. These are your ideas from the last week. Actually, no. These are I like made these like the day after we recorded <laughs> last time, and I've never looked at it again. So, let, oh, me, nice. let, let me get my list up. Okay, so number one. Uh, this is this will be a I'm good. I'm writing them down. Right. Okay. The Hearts of Midlothian Football Club Twitter handle is at Jam Tarts. Mm-hmm. Ergo yes, it is Ergo. The Dundee United one should be at the Arabs. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's not. But I did look up twitter.com forward slash the Arabs. Uh, hang on, let me click this hyperlink. Oh my God, it's hyperlinked and everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there is a Twitter user who's called at the Arabs. It's Omar bin Abdullah. Um, he, joined in, he joined in 2011 and he has never tweeted and has two followers is one of them you <laughs> no shall i follow him well let me tell you right now he's gonna go straight up to four it's <laughs> <laughs> straight on the twitter machine that should happen that's a, good, that's a good idea right that should have happened yeah uh, <laughs> at the arabs hasn't tweeted no when they do their tweets will show up here <laughs> Yeah, they're also followed by an environmentalist who says no to carbon emissions. Wow. Do you want to? Because we had this conundrum the other the other night when we were having a couple of beers with your friend Dave. Mm. Do you want to maybe explain to our podcast listeners who are not familiar with the nuances of Scottish football names why Dundee United are called the Arabs? Oh yes, I should explain that. Otherwise, I look really bad. And it's well, not- bouncing back off of the last <laughs> podcast where he just pinded against black women. <laughs> God. He's gone, this gone one, another this minority. One, I want to maintain general levels of frivolity in this one. Let's not get serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. The, um, so the story is Dundee United, sometime, I think it was in the early 80s, they had a pitch that was unplayable because it was waterlogged. And they'd had. Because it's Dundee. Because it's Dundee. And they had had a few games postponed, and there was coming up a cup game, I think it was. And they really didn't want to postpone another game, 
So they imported truckloads of sand and then spread sand all over their pitch to like soak up the water. And then they just had the sand-covered pitch. They played the cup game and they won. So then the joke was Dundee United took to the sand like a bunch of Arabs. And <laughs> <laughs> which you have to like take it at, at its time. It was a, the joke was made by people who'd never met an Arab person in their entire life. Yeah, uh, like if you listen to this and you're from somewhere that's not like a small city in Scotland, then you need to remember that Scottish people in Dundee in the 80s had probably never met an Arab. Yeah. Like Arabs were a theoretical construct, like fairies or <laughs> yeah. elves, you know. Yeah, so that's why they're that's the fans are now known as the Arabs, and the team, I guess, is also known as Arabs. So it kind of stuck. They took the name on. They thought that was a funny joke, and then they, they took it on. Uh-huh. Second truth. Right. There's a quarterback called Ryan Fitzpatrick. There His is. nickname is Fitzmagic. This is, yes, this, it is, is. this is a shit nickname. His nickname should be changed immediately to Fitzpastrick. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> right? That is more elegant. Right? He's very quarterback. He's very good at throwing passes. And all you need to do is add two S's. Right? I don't understand. Fitzmagic is shit. Fitzpastrick is the new nickname. I'm only using that. Oh, no, I vote for that. That was really good. Okay. I'll never not call him Fitz, Fitzpastrick. Fitzpastrick. It's quite I hard to say. I will never not call him. Yeah, Fitzpastrick. Who does he play for? Yeah. Currently the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's very famous in the NFL because he uh, went to Harvard, and every single time they ever, anyone ever talks about him, they're like, and you know that uh, he went to Harvard. <laughs> oh, he's like the... Uh, it's quite uncommon for good players to actually go to Harvard. Stanford's a good school, but Harvard doesn't produce many NFL players. Right. It's like the um, and he's, that actress that went to Harvard. Um, Natalie, Port- Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Yeah. yeah. It's like that, but for NFL. Yeah. All right, number three. Yeah. This will be really quick. Never forget this. I think I forgot this. And then I was watching PSG in the Champions League and I re-remembered it for like the fifth time. So I don't want to forget this. The PSG goalkeeper is called Ariola. Yeah. <laughs> just don't just keep that in the consciousness, the public consciousness. There's, there's a goalkeeper. You just want to point out that the, the guy <laughs> between the sticks is called Nipple. Yeah. <laughs> Nipple like, area. Yeah, I was watching it. I was like, I forgot again. Four times or something that's happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, okay, that's a good trick. <laughs> number four. These are expressions of my inner being, Calm. Never forget. I've got other yep. other alternative names, like equally internet-y and millennial. It was maybe going to be Andy has his, what has all the feels. Andy's feels. And, no, Andy has all the feels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually hate that. I hate that. I hate the speaker's um, truth as well. And I hate... Andy's Andy's living his best life. Oh, fuck off with that one. <laughs> oh, damn it. That one should die death as well. The only one I can get on board with, the, the new lingo, is um, it's throwing shade. I like that. It's just like... Yeah, throwing shade we like. Because yeah, like you never know if the shade is being thrown <laughs> or not. Yeah. I Go back to the first episode. Yeah, the, <laughs> the other day, Helen said I was uh, being ridiculous because I didn't, I said, I think I said, I would like to get woke. And oh, yeah. Get woke. 
either are woke or you're not. either woke or you're not. Yeah, and I was like, so what? You're born and then you just fucking woke or not? It's ridiculous. Yeah, get woke is also a phrase. Helen was in the wrong there. Oh, oh, there we go. Hashtag Team Andy. Oh, yeah, go. yeah. Get right. woke. Hashtag Get woke. I'm not woke. <laughs> I have not awoken. Right. Okay. Second last one. Okay, movie idea. Oh fuck yeah, right, this is a good movie idea, man. This movie should is this is this number four? This is number four movie idea. This okay. this no, this is the second last one. Uh, this movie should definitely be made. There's five. Yeah, there's five truths. There's, <laughs> I've got five truths. Right, here we go. This is a new separate podcast. <laughs> Come on, let's make it quick. <laughs> right, the fall. <laughs> right, the title of the film is "The Fall of Troy." Dini. <laughs> the plot was playing Arsenal at a cup final, and he's busy trying to get Troy Dini's busy trying to get a rise out of a supposedly wimpy Arsenal defender. While he's doing that, he doesn't look where he's placing his feet. He trips on a small wooden horse. He breaks his legs. <laughs> end of his career. A cautionary tale. <laughs> so get, get the scriptwriters up. The fall of Troy Dini. Uh, the fall of Troy Dini. Yeah. Okay. The, obviously, the thing I'm alluding to there is that Troy Dini last season went on TV and said Arsenal defenders are a bunch of wimps. Yeah. Didn't do that this yeah. season. I mean, in more broad terms, what you're alluding to is that Troy Dini fucking arsehole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number five, the tagline. For- We've got there. <laughs> <laughs> the tagline for the fall of Troy Dini should be. The face that launched no ships. <laughs> that was such an unnecessary thing. <laughs> I need more information to the force. That's my truth. I can't believe that you didn't run this segment by me. I've got this segment idea, Callum. It's just me grandstanding shit I've thought about for fucking ten minutes. <laughs> Some ideas I've had. Hey, I thought that you had. You have the. How is this still a thing? Which is kind of like that's. Yeah, of, that's true. So yeah. I wanted my version of it, and it's uh, it's Andy speaks his truth, and you can't laugh at it, right? Because I'm being authentic to my true being. So. Yeah, I take back all of my laughs. <laughs> Do you not like? I like that the face that launched no ships. I'd go see that movie. The face that. Is it a pun on like gave no shits or no no because uh, so oh so I need to educate you so Helen of Troy you, well I know that the Helen of Troy was the face that launched the thousand ships all right well that's exactly it then you just try and educate me on basic yeah <laughs> I can believe it my mouth was open my jaw I opened I can educate you I can I don't know you seem to. <laughs> You seem to be suggesting that you didn't get the joke. I don't know, man. I... Wait, so what was Troy? Was that a thing in the past? <laughs> and what was the joke? I, I mean, that sounded like a good story, but what was the fucking horse that he trips over? It's funny because Troy Dini, he is fucking ugly. So it's it's funny, <laughs> it's funny on multiple levels, okay? <laughs> yeah. It right. was definitely funny firstly for me and then as you explained the more the level and the history behind it, it got more depth. This podcast I thought it was just a f- it will be mined for my philosophical insights in the future. It will be mined for ways for me to have a go at you in post. Mm. Okay, so um well that was a good segment and I really genuinely enjoyed that. Uh I enjoyed making it. Instead of Fitz Magic, Fitz Pastrick is definitely genius and mm. 
we need to make that a thing. It's more Hashtag elegant. It's past trick. Mm-hmm. Shall we go to Great Underreaction? Let's do it. Okay. Um, well, this week's great underreaction. He says this week, like we do a podcast every week, having not recorded for a month. Um, but this episode's great underreaction follows the recent international break, and of course, we're going after the England national football team. Hmm. Which so appears strange that we're going after the team. We're not going after the team. That's really. true. We're going after the no, no, no. The report. No, they're just uh, they're just playing football games and trying to win them. Yeah. Um, we're going after the histrionic, bonkers, outrageous coverage of the English national football team, mm-hmm. which continues to provide content for this podcast. So Phil McNulty, the chief sports writer for the BBC, wrote a headline. Croatia versus England in Nations League, colon. Is Southgate beginning a bold new era? Great underreaction, Andrew. Is this a bold new era from Southgate? No. 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 Can I point out that my prediction before the last international break was exactly this happening, and I was just one international break too soon. You are. I actually thought that it would happen more, you know, in the run-up to the next major tournament. But actually, all they needed yeah. was just one international break to clear the air from the World Cup, and then they were back on it. They just need one gap, and then it's like they completely forget that England are quite competent in the spaces between um, major tournaments and then when they get to major tournaments they sort of choke up a bit and don't get over the line Mm. and haven't won one since the internet was invented so I'm quite frustrated with this story in general I would say like why are we back here already what's your thought in general on the Nations League I I don't understand why it needs to exist because I thought that that would be quite a common position that's how i feel i'm, I'm like jürgen klopp agrees why have we got yet another tournament for international football but mm. my dad was much more like in favor of it he thought it was a good thing oh, really yeah no i I'm... for me i feel like we just had a crazy amount of international football for a whole summer mm. and now you're like right that's done and the players have a sleep for like a week nowadays and then they start playing their club football and you're like, oh, shit. Is Man City going to walk away with it? Or, or And then suddenly it's an international break. And mm. then there's another one. And then there's another one now because they need to fit in this like weird oh, trophy thing. And, you know, if you're a committed club fan, then really all you're interested in is whether or not your players get injured and you get deeply frustrated because they get knackered because they travel to the other side of the world, you know, like mm. um, I remember when Alexis Sanchez was fucking popping over to Chile and playing two games in a week and then popping back. Oh, yeah. 
and it's like <sighs> that's because the Copa America they seem to like run it whenever they feel like. Have you seen that? Um, <laughs> have you seen the years that they played that tournaments existed? There's like no consistent gap. It's like it's not like every four years. It's like every once and then three years later they'll have it again, but then they'll have one year gap and then they'll have two in a row, and they just have it whenever yeah. they fucking feel like. It seems like. Anyway, this this um, you know what this tournament will end up being like. No one wants to win the Nations League, right? Or if you do, right, the one that wins it, they'll be like, "We won it," and everyone else will go like, "It's just friendly, doesn't matter." Yeah, it'll be like the I'm Community really Shield, curious. right? No, it's the Community Shield, but just stretched out over an entire like year or two. Is it two years? So what happened with England was they won against Spain. Right, which fair play to the players. We should make it clear. I'm like, I'm not one of these people who I don't get very happy when England lose. Right, I don't. What I, what annoys me about this story is the people writing about it, not the fact, yeah. not the fact that England won. So it's good that they won. I know there was they they played they played like a team who were lucky to win. Like yeah. they were really lucky to win. So that's that's the sort of thing you've watched your team really struggle. And ride their luck and get a result in a tournament that doesn't matter. And then the next day you have headlines like, what's this one? This is from the BBC. Uh, Sterling's best game, question mark. New hope, England have liftoff. Right. The new hope also had a question mark. (laughs) Did you realize after you said the question mark for the first one that that was supposed to be an indicator of how to say it and not... (laughs) Something that you needed to read out. Uh, Cal, that is almost exactly the thought process I had. <laughs> Did you go, Sterling's best game, question mark. New hope? Yeah. <laughs> England have left. Thank fuck we don't get Because I'm looking at the same headline. No, you get paid to do this, do we? This podcast is, this podcast is worth what you pay for it. <laughs> Anyway, okay. Um, I really like the picture in that article. It's got Raheem Sterling, I think, celebrating. <laughs> and underneath it says, Raheem Sterling has now scored four England goals, as many as Steve Bull, Nick Barnby, and Darren Ben. <laughs> Darren Ben, no way. <laughs> hold, hold the fucking hold. Da- Darren Ben. Darren Ben was a great right. player, man. He just yeah, always played like shit. I know. Here's the thing. And that article says, was this the moment that the Nations League went from, quote, the most senseless competition in football to earning a place in the hearts of England fans everywhere? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Few expected much from Gareth Southgate's site as they travelled to take on Spain and Seville in Monday night, but instead the three Lions were 3-0 up before halftime and on their way to an historic win at Estadio Benito Villamarín. Mm. Mm. my thought is that really this doesn't fucking matter this whole tournament doesn't really matter and the only time that you ever think that it matters is when you've just won a game Mm -hmm. it's a little bit like the Europa League or something it's like well you know I'll probably watch it if it's on if my team wins it then I'll probably be happy but it's not it's not equivalent to anything mm. meaningful. No. It's more like this would be good because I think they've tied up some sort of like if your nation does well, then you get more Champions League 
seeding or something. Mm. Like, which is it's kind of bonkers to be fair, because like Serbia's got some good footballers, but a shite domestic league. But they've tried to incentivize it, and it's a bit like that in the Europa League when you're like, well, Arsenal playing against someone on the other end of Russia is not that exciting to me. But mm-hmm. at the very end, if they're going to win it, then I'm going to be like, that would be useful, right? You know, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I agree with you, Callum. Top quality analysis there. <laughs> Lovely. I was actually okay, sorry, I, um, I was reading. That's why I was fucking not ta- I was reading. Oh, and as anyone who's ever met Andrew knows, attempting to do two things at once. I can't do not it. something that you can do. So so here's here's the thing. Not a skill for an on the move podcaster. <laughs> I've got a point to make. I want to make this point. Oh, yep. Okay. okay ready? You can. Is it one point or is it five points that I'm not allowed to make fun of? <laughs> no, I'm not. I only speak my truth in that one segment. The rest okay. Of not speaking truth anymore. No. Right. Yeah. Right. So the thing about the England team is that it was supposedly their youngest team in since 1959 or something. So that's why yep. you sent out this young team with these unproven players at the international level and then they delivered, right? That's the kind of the that's the story. Um yeah. But the th- the problem I have with that is this like view that the England's young players are going to be this tournament winning team in the future kind of has this assumption that all the other teams in the world don't have brilliant young players coming through. Yeah. And when you look at the brilliant young players coming through, for example, in France, you've got to think to yourself, like, well, I, I mean, the squad, the, the young players that are coming through for England aren't anything particularly special. I don't know. Maybe I'll be totally wrong. Maybe I they... think the, the, I mean, we're not doing Trope of the Week, but that is a potential Trope of the Week that we might de- delve into in more depth in future because it drives me nuts. The, like young team that's quite good now equals potentially elite and award-winning team in the future. Mm. I don't know how many times it has ever actually translated that a team that was quite promising whilst young turned into a substantially better team when they were older. Mm. Like that Arsenal team that had Fabregas and Walcott and stuff, they never turned into anything. Mm. The, the idea that your team has a bunch of guys who are like 24 and 25 and quite good just now, but will get much, much better. Like, there's a sort of misguided idea of growth and progress, mm. and some players get worse as they progress through their careers, and when you take away this, like, lens of potential Mm. they just have always been upper echelon Mm -mm. elite and like by the time the next world cup arrives you're gonna have a new you're potentially gonna have a new Kylian Mbappe who's like Mm. 16 years old at the moment or 15 years old and and it's not doing fuck all so yeah the young players in the future can change the the scope scope of things as well yeah exactly I, I think it's it's similar to what's going on with Spurs as well. You hear that a lot about Spurs. It's a young team; they're only going to get better. Yeah, you hear that all like the they're going to kick on and then dominate. That's the um, that's the match of the day line about Spurs, pretty much. 
this is a young team and they're going to get better. And it's true, but also like there's no you don't get more points and you don't you don't get any benefits for having a relatively young team. So surely what in an ideal situation would be you would have someone who was elite um or who was very good when they were younger and who is now elite and then some young players as well. Right? If all your best players are twenty nine, it's not more meritous to have twenty three year olds playing instead. Yeah. I mean, well, look at what's happened to Monaco this season. They've had like four seasons in a row of having a young squad that gets raided by Europe's elite. Yeah. And it doesn't last very long, does it? Now they're in the, I think they're in the relegation zone. Yeah, but the the king has gone to solve them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. Did, did hey, Bobby. See, did you see what his is, first what is press French conference? for Monaco? <laughs> did you see his first press conference? No, I haven't seen that. It's so funny because he forgot he has an interpreter there and he was doing it all in French and then it was time for the English reporters to ask questions and they asked their questions in English and then Thierry Henry, because he fucking speaks good English, he just responds in English instinctively and then when he's finished talking, then suddenly this interpreter starts speaking in French and then Thierry Henry is like surprised and he's looked over there and then he goes like, oh, Oh no! <laughs> he like, looks down at his lap because he like forgot to respond in French. So there's this weird moment where this guy who's from France and obviously speaks French is having his answer translated into French, and he's like panicking. <laughs> yeah. You should look it up. It's funny. It happens twice in the press conference. He forgets twice. So he uses was his uh, was his interpreter um, the guy who used to play for. Uh, Reading and Crystal Palace. What was his name? Joey oh, Barton. What was the name of the sub- Barton. Yeah, Barton. <laughs> it was just Joey Barton going, uh, and we are happy to get the three points. Uh, <laughs> does this help you understand me when I speak French? <laughs> the English to you. I'm still speaking English, but uh, a bit more offensively than before. <laughs> okay, so okay. that was... The great underreaction of the week. Do you have any other stories that you've enjoyed from this week, Andrew? Uh, I haven't got one that I really... I didn't particularly enjoy the story, but I think we should talk about uh, the UFC. Oh, yeah. I I kind of... Not particularly the UFC, but kind of UFC and boxing, I guess I'll put in this bracket as well. So what happened was there was this big title fight between Conor McGregor and... Oh, God. Pray for me while I say this name. And Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nurmagomedov. I think he's Russian. Uh, Nurmagomedov, I think, was unbeaten in 26. Um, 26 fights. He had the belt. Uh, it used to be Conor McGregor's belt, but he lost it because he fanned around not fighting anyone. And then he decided to cash in and have a big boxing match, which he promptly lost. Yep. Anyway. So it was this huge fight. They come back. Nurmagomedov handily beats McGregor. Um, He really controlled the fight. And in the fourth round, he gets a chokehold and McGregor taps out. Then seconds after the tap out, um, Nurmagomedov says something, like shouts something at McGregor. I think presumably something on the lines of like, take it, you fuckhead, or something. Suck my ball. (laughs) 
and then leaps over the side of the octagon, the cage. The octagon is uh, the cage thing, yeah. And then, they, and then he flings his um, gum shield at someone, and then tries to like start a brawl. And there's a huge brawl in the crowd. He's gone after someone in McGregor's team. While yeah. that's happening, two of Nurmagomedov's um, team jump the, into the octagon and then start hitting McGregor, who's just had four rounds of a um, MMA fight, so he's in no position to be getting hit, really. Um, I think they hit him from behind as well. Anyway, so there it was, uh, I think people got arrested. Nurmagomedov's probably going to get a ban for some amount yeah. of time. And it's a terrible thing to have happened. And everyone was like, UFC, oh, get your act together. Um, yeah. So my angle on this is this probably would never have happened if we didn't have this weird-ass culture of using pre-match events to generate controversy as a way of getting publicity for yeah. the fight. So what happens is they deliberately, they want to have like a press conference where it all breaks down and, you know, the, the fighters try and kill each other at the press conference, or they want to have a weigh in or something where there's something that goes wrong. And the press conference is the, these, because people want a bigger paycheck. These fighters want a bigger paycheck. They say things that they know will get in the news. Yeah. And that's basically what happened here. Conor McGregor. I mean, that's what's always happened in boxing. I mean, yeah. uh, like float like a butterfly and sting like a bee is uh, Muhammad Ali's old like pre-boxing match um, jibes. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if um, like if Chris Eubank went in for it too much because yeah. that probably would have harmed his case. But it's you one know, of like all of that stuff is all. Let's hype this up because people are going to have to pay per view for this this event. It's like it's the same in wrestling, which is totally um, scripted and and like they create that controversy. So people are like, "Oh my god, it's all going to come to a head mm. Saturday the twenty fifth and they buy the fight and sit down with their friends and watch it. Yeah. But this was definitely much more than that. Like this was a guy losing his fucking mind, McGregor, and he. No, no, not McGregor. The oh, guy no. who's fighting McGregor. Yeah, who, and he, and he like Eric Cantona has it, doesn't he? He just like goes completely red yeah. and attacks yeah. other people. It's, it's it's a bit bizarre. Yeah, it, it was, was a bit what, unsightly. The reason why it happened was basically, I think Conor from Conor McGregor's point of view, he said awful things. Right, he was saying things about his religion, his country, his wife and kids. He was saying like awful things, all to get publicity, basically. He was saying things. When I saw these things, I was like, Conor McGregor, you're just trying to make more money. Nurmagomedov yeah. is like, you're insulting my family and taking it all personally. And, so, and like, I think that Nurmagomedov thought there's amping up a fight and then there's crossing a certain line. And that's what he thought McGregor did, which is why he went totally nuts. But yeah. I, So the story between them is apparently a, quite a long one. Apparently, the start of it was um, it started in New York. McGregor wasn't even there. It was in a hotel in New York, and Nurmagomedov um, had a confrontation with someone who's on McGregor's team because he didn't like an interview he gave 
on TV. Oh. I've no idea what it said, right? And there was like a heated confrontation, and in the end, Nurmagomedov grabbed this guy's neck, right? Then that they, they were separated, and that was the end of that. Within hours, uh, McGregor was on a on a plane from Ireland to New York, <laughs> right? Because he'd heard that his someone from his team had been grabbed by a throat by Nurmagomedov, and then he gets to the hotel the next day, and Nurmagomedov's in a bus, and he starts screaming abuse at the bus and throwing things at it. And then he picks up this like trolley thing and throws it through the window of the bus. And he injured like two people on the bus and it stopped like two UFC fights happening that were carded on. They were on the card for that night or something like that. So McGregor also is like a complete nutcase because that wasn't, there was no fight then either. So I think it all stems from that one incident and then, or those two incidents. um, and, And from then on, it's just been this slanging match. At the weigh-in, McGregor kicked, tried uh, aimed a kick at Nurmagomedov's head, and there's this picture. His foot's about three inches from Nurmagomedov's face. Um, and it's all when I saw that that picture, I thought he's done that kick so that picture exists, so that I'm looking at it, so I know this fight exists. Right, <laughs> but it's, I guess it's all mixed up in the fact that. I don't know. They call each other like terrorists. Call them someone like a terrorist rat or something. It's pretty. They've definitely been like chosen more for the fact that they're completely psychotic and can be mm. utilized by more cannier people behind the scenes to create this publicity. Like, than the fact like. that they're the best fighters of all time. Yeah. I mean, McGregor is just the the real life manifestation of Brad Pitt's character in Fight Club, isn't he? And and like he's not even real. <laughs> Spoiler alert! If you've not seen Spike Club, Club by now, then fuck. <laughs> oh god, we ruin everything. We might have younger younger listeners. You, you know don't know me? who I'm talking about. No, I'm have saying you not seen Fight Club. I have seen. I'm saying there might be younger listeners who. Have, this is like when I thought you. If had there's been... younger listeners, though, there's going to be other bits of the show that are also going to be problematic for them. <laughs> Like what well, we call Troy, Troy Deeney an uh, ugly face cunt. I don't think we called him that, but we basically I never, did. Yeah. <laughs> I never used that word. Spoiler alert. You're attributing too much like suaveness and coolness to McGregor, though. He's more just like this little angry, like, yeah, he's obviously Irish not as good looking. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so, I'm, so I'm greatly under I'm greatly underreacting to pre-fight nonsense, and then the UFC. I'm just greatly underreacting to this whole mess. You're just generally just greatly underreacting to the UFC. Sort out your sport. Don't let people behave like this. I don't, you don't need it. Like Anthony Joshua doesn't do any of this at all. Yeah, he just and seems like, like a nice guy who like and, spends yeah. a lot of time with his mum, doesn't he? And he like and he knows a lot about boxing. You know? Yeah. And yeah. his press conferences are complete non-events, and yet he's probably the most famous heavyweight boxer in the world at the moment. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, maybe maybe either. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my story is, I think you might have seen this, um, but it was mm-hmm. from, I think, last week, and it's another boxing one. Oh, is it? It was Deontay Wilder apologizes for injuring mascot on television show. Have you seen this? No. Deontay funny. Wilder was on Nacion ESPN, which is the Spanish language um, channel of ESPN. And there was a mascot 
And he said, like, oh, something about it <laughs> by punching this mascot. And Deontay Wilder, who's the WBC heavyweight champion, just like with full force smacks <laughs> the mascot in the face. <laughs> I, <laughs> Um, anything headlining, I didn't know a human being was in there, is just straight clickbaiting, said Wilder on Instagram. The first <laughs> the first reports that came out is that he did not know that there was someone inside the the mask the mascot costume. Oh no. Um, he says he said afterwards, I sincerely apologize to the brave man that was injured. I have the utmost respect for him, his participation, willingness and courage. If, if, if he is injured, I would personally like to invite him to my 1st of December flight. He broke his jaw by punching him in the face when he was a mascot on a TV show. Hang on, I'm finding it. Don't want to go to a fucking fight. He couldn't. I'm finding it, right. It looks like the mascot looks... <laughs> oh, my God. It looks like, like you're laughing at him getting punched it, it in looks, the face. It looks like the mascot has got, like... What does he look like? It looks like like super mario type face with like this italian mustache i'm gonna guess it looks like a and it's white and then it's got black and red hat i've got no idea what it's advertising uh-huh. it's presumably some condiment and then, and then i mean any reports i mean it's obviously a human being so <laughs> Deontay Wilder would have to like, be. It looks like Mario or something. Yes. Deontay he's Wilder like doing a dance in front of Deontay Wilder, <laughs> and he just absolutely fucks. He it, knocks him clean out. Deontay Wilder would have to be on some serious drugs to not realize that that was a person. So I think that yeah, he was probably true. He didn't know that he does really leather him. <laughs> <laughs> he punches him right in the nose, and he absolutely destroys him. He guy. goes flying. He just crumples. I want to know yeah, what mascot is for. Now. Um, yeah, I think it's the Nacio ESPN mascot. They've got a. Oh, Nacion ESPN, N-E. If you've got time to look up the mascot for this ESPN show, look it up because it is hella racist. Yeah, we should put... The guy with a big moustache and a sombrero. You know, I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, good idea. Do that. I'll put Um, a 30-second clip in, yeah. So I really enjoyed that because it wasn't the only um, mascot has a misfile or mishappen in the, the news in the last month or so um did you see the other yeah there was can i guess can i can i guess was it just was it just the continued existence of the park thistle mascot (laughs) no but if you haven't seen Park thistle's mascot i'll put that in the show notes as well like a fried egg (laughs) Um, this was uh Colorado Boulder's mascot, which is called Chip the Buffalo, was um, at a college, I think, football game. And there's a like self-made shot, self-shot video of this mascot. And he's got a T-shirt cannon. And instead of shooting it into the crowd from point-blank range, he shoots himself at <laughs> <in> the balls <laughs> with the T-shirt cannon. Whoa, <laughs> According to this, uh-huh. uh, thousands watched on in amusement. A stricken icon was carted from the field in agony and clutching oh his private. What was that? Is there a video? What's the what's the mascot? It's called. What's yeah, the mascot yeah, called? yeah. Just search um, 
Colorado, uh, search Chip the Buffalo shoots himself. Uh, yes, in the balls. YouTube is suggesting Chip the Buffalo shoots himself as uh, as a thing to watch. Yeah, here's one seven seven. Okay, seven, live seven. reaction feed here now. Oh, <laughs> oh he just kind of <laughs> <laughs> he gets himself right in the day, and everyone in the crowd is just like, Way, he doesn't he doesn't that. writhe. He's in so much pain. He's paralyzed. He just flops to the ground and just lies still. He just like. <laughs> Anyone who's ever seen someone get hit in the balls, he does exactly what someone who gets hit in the balls does. And he gets carted off. Well, he gets carted off and he's car. like waving to everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm okay, guys. Right. I'm okay. That'll I be in the show notes as well. Kids. I'm liking the show notes idea. Right. I can't believe I've never thought of it before. Yeah, I'm yes, glad that I'll you're going to administrate it. Oh, that was funny. But so, uh, yeah, that, that's brilliant. Okay. Have you got any other stories or oh, was that your only one? You I've go got one yours. more. Okay, so my last story was uh, run in the Daily Mail. Um, and it was former Leicester defender Robert Huth on why he hates El Clasico. Huth said, I don't even watch Barca versus Madrid anymore. It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so I saw that headline and I was like, Robert Huth, terrible human being says that one of the most famous and best games in the world is shit. It, it's, so, it's so good. It, come on. That's funny. But then when that. I read it, I was like, oh, actually, I'm starting to get on board with the, the story. So I'm going to try and paraphrase it. But the, the whole thing, basically, is this. He says, despite the quality of players on show and meetings between the two sides, he's appalled by the histrionics that accompany such fixtures. He says he doesn't want to see players surrounding the referee anymore. He says it's shit. 20 guys surrounding the referee, some holding their face. El Clasico? Question mark. Off. In addition, Huth took the opportunity to condemn players who feign injury, not just in El Clasico. He said, what I can't get is how afterwards you can face people. As a man. I find the whole problem Mm. embarrassing. Diving, I can understand. There's no difference between diving and me grabbing someone. You're bending the rules. You're both cheating, Robert. That's what you're doing. But pretending to be hurt, it just goes against any sport. The weakness of it all pisses me off. I can't think of another sport where it's acceptable. We spent That's true. We spent 15, 16 years with nutrition, gym work, making footballers the strongest they can be. Are you telling me a small touch is enough to make one go down? And I was like, I read that, and I was like, oh, God, I kind of agree with Robert Huth. <laughs> yeah, any, any one of us could have said, like, literally word for word exactly that <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, I totally agree with Robert Huth. It's a weird position to be in. But oh, yeah. it feels so No, wrong. that is, yeah, no, it's the, uh, it is true that it does not in any other sport, and it's because they get away with it. Did you see this uh, this weekend? It was Chelsea Man United. Um, I did for I watched the game. Man United take oh so Martial's goal right before Martial uh, Martial scored that goal. Yeah, there was a cross into the box, and a Chelsea defender headed it away, and it looked like he may have headed it away with his nose or his eyes or something. You know, it didn't hit him square on the forehead. Right? Yeah, so that player crumples into a heap like he's been killed. Right, and it wasn't a whipped cross. It actually was more of a floated cross. Yeah. Anyway, and then the player 
just lies on the ground for like 30 seconds while play carries on. And he's like lying on the ground, clutching his face, writhing around. And play goes on and then it ends with Man United scoring. And I just think, you fucking twat. You have lain on the ground hoping for a whistle to be blown. Well played referee for not blowing the whistle because the guy... You know, touch the ball with his face. Yeah, you, know, it's you can ridiculous. tell. You like, can tell that it's not like right. a serious head injury that needs. It, it wasn't attention. serious, right? Because there was no other player near him. It wasn't like a clash of heads or anything, which you should stop for. Yeah. Um, and so imagine being that player. You know, you've just laid on the ground on your six-yard box, pretending to be hurt while your team really needs you, and then there's a goal score against you. Too. Can you imagine though, if like. All you had to do in order to stop play, if it looked like something dangerous might happen, would be physically inept. And so, like, head a ball with your face or, like, kick yourself in the ankle or something. <laughs> like, Yeah, I know. That doesn't work. Lauren Koscielny would have sport. been incredible. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. I, I, I think that you, the other thing that Hoof is right about is that this – there is something in my mind. I don't know if it's incorrect, but there's something, a problem with Spain. Yeah. And Spanish in particular. Yeah. With this. And you see it in the Champions League. You notice a difference, right? You notice it in the Champions League when a Spanish team is coming and playing an English team. Yeah. And then you see them doing stuff and you're like, wow, that is really taking the piss. They have really like normalized the complete, like the screaming... And I just remembered. Oh, no. I started laughing because I just remembered this video so a little bit ago of Luis Suarez scoring a goal and he, then he screams like an Ewok. No, he screams like R2-D2. Have you ever seen this? No. I have to send it to you because it's burst me. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I'll put the signed in, in, in this. I'll find it. Tell me what just just tell me what you say. Search Luis Suarez R two D two into YouTube. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not so I've searched Luis Suarez. None of them are R two D two or sub- suggested. Oh the no, top one it's is uh, Ewok. Bites, bites player Ewok. Yeah, yeah. There's one here, Luis Suarez, Draw My Life. I don't know how you're not finding that. Hang on, I've just listened to it. No, no, I found it. I just wanted to to, uh, save that Draw My Life one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. I'm listening. Oh man, the show notes are going to be long for this one. <laughs> no, I'll put, I'll, I'll clip off the audio and I'll put it in here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's why did something you, about. Why did you think of that? Why'd... Just because people playing in the Spanish league screaming ridiculously. 
Like yeah. it's something about the screaming and the like writhing yeah. and like audible that's just really offensive. Yeah. It's really like it is really annoying. Really I can't annoying. think of another sport where people feign injury. Every other sport I know and every other sport that I've played, like you would get hurt and you would pretend for all your worth that you're not hurt. Like it's, it's if you're playing where... cricket and uh, the ball hits you on your wrist or on your hand, like if you're batting, you're like, nah, that wasn't a fucking problem. You know, because you don't want mm. to reveal any weakness. If you're playing football and someone like clips you, you scream and writhe around and go like, ah! Mm. <laughs> 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 I, can't, I can't recreate it. Like, no, please don't yeah. try. It would be so discouraging. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. so I really enjoyed football, that. Football yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I, I said I didn't have anything, but I, I don't really have a story. Um, okay, shall we go to this week's trope of the week? Go for it. Okay, so um, I have two tropes that I want to talk about, so I need to pick one. Oh, right, I'm going to go for this one. The one that's driving me nuts recently is people saying that any player who is currently pretty good or um, like is maybe the best in the world at the moment is the GOAT. What's the GOAT? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? It's obviously a trope that's passed you by. The GOAT is the acronym greatest of all time. Oh. And so, in, right. and like, people post emojis of goats to say greatest of all time, greatest to ever do it. And they. That's, that's more of an NFL thing, isn't it? Nah, it's uh, really no. permeated everything at this point, Is I would it? say. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, so I've got some. So, whilst I was waiting for you, you had some technical difficulties. I wrote down a list of people who are currently playing their sports off the top of my head who might be the greatest of all time. Okay? Okay. Lionel Messi. Well, I've got got the list. Why don't don't I just read out the list and then you can see if you've got any thoughts. Okay, okay. Okay, Wait, this is Calum who speaks history. No, okay. this is just Callum's got the list, and then you can contribute okay. afterwards. So, <laughs> okay. Roger Federer, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Serena Williams, Virat Kohli, Tiger Woods, Lionel Messi, Christina, Cristiano Ronaldo, LeBron James... Lewis Hamilton, and then um, at one point during the game, someone said that Hugo Lloris was the greatest keeper of all time. (laughs) Um, That's the funniest of all of them. Aaron Rodgers frequently gets called the greatest of all time. Um, Can you think of any now that I haven't named? Mm, no, that's, I mean, that's pretty comprehensive. Nothing comes to mind. Uh, oh, hang on. I've got one. Uh, <clears throat> Ronnie, O'Sull- Ronnie O'Sullivan. Ronnie O'Sullivan, greatest uh, snooker player of all time. Now, yeah. 
the I think the point that I'm I want to make is that it is possible that the greatest players of all time all exist at the same time and that time is now however it's such a like hide into nothing trying to figure out whether or not that's true because it seems way more likely to me that it's just a a question of coverage and the perceptions of a player popularly are driven a huge amount by national media coverage and we have more tournaments the tournaments that we do have are more widely covered almost everything is televised almost everything is recordable and replayable we keep track of stats to a crazy degree now which we never used to in the past and that means that every player seems better now but how do you equivocate across generations and time? That's the question. Like, if you talk about mm. Roger Federer, you're talking about this age of tennis, right? Would mm. like the the equivalent argument is like, would Roger Federer have been the greatest of all time if he was born in 1958? Well, I don't know. You can't. Ask. That's so meaningless question you can't answer that at all you can't answer that at all there's no I way that you I, can answer that I, I think of it like so every i think there's generally accepted that maybe players get slightly physically slightly better um with passing generations and maybe technically their skill level does go up because just because more is known about the games that they're playing right Mm-hmm. So if you if Mac McEnroe in his prime played Roger Federer in his prime, Roger Federer probably would have wiped the floor with McEnroe, yep. for example. Yeah. Right. But but the question you want to ask is it's more about for me because of that right the the, the leveler has to be it's about your relative dominance right. So how much did you dominate your era? Yeah. Right. And and that's a really hard question to ask answer. But it's more answerable than just imagining like a player transported back in time and being trained with the same trainers as and the same knowledge. You know, if Roger Federer was trained in the 50s, chances are he probably wouldn't have been as good as some other players because, you know, maybe those training methods weren't right for him or something. You know, you never know. Yeah. Right. It, it, but um, can I can I give you my opinion on your list? Uh-huh. When you read it out, I just had instinctive answers. So uh-huh. it seems to me, I think, clear that Lino Messi is the greatest of all time. Uh, but how can that be true if he isn't even the best player of this generation? What do you mean? Who do you think is better than him? Ronaldo is objectively better than Messi. Are you joking me? No. Are you joking me? How can you think that? I can't tell whether or not you're being serious just now. <laughs> I am being serious. Ronaldo has won more awards and done far more in the game than Messi has. How are you measuring it? Are you are you giving it the eye test? Are you saying yeah, when I'm you watch it. them, you're like you think that Messi is a better player than Ronaldo? Yeah, all round. I say there's one era in what what I would say Messi he's better at football than Cristiano Ronaldo. 
Okay. Like, that. like he's better on the ball. He's better at his vision's better. He makes way more assists and he scores the same number of goals. But so, like, have you also applied the eye test to um, Fat Ronaldo or Maradona? <laughs> you mean the Brazilian one? All right, no, no, but or just like, have you done the eye test to Pele? I know, but no, but none of them scored. You know. Four, more than 40 goals a year for 30 years in a row. I cannot fuck how many 30 years in a row for right. 13 years. There were, there were right. far, far fewer games. I mean, how are they uh, supposed to score 40 goals a season without the Champions League and without two domestic cups? I see with what you're saying there, With a small domestic league. I mean, you're just, what you've said is that you have watched football you have taken mm. your expert opinion, mm. you have cast your gaze, and you've said, right, that messy guy, he can do shit that I just can't imagine. He is the best of all time. Mm-hmm. I've just done exactly the wrong thing, haven't I? But that, means, <laughs> that means that I could watch like a game of football and Wilfred Zaha could like, play his tits off and I could say he's no, the best of all time. No, it's not just that. It's not just that. It's the, it's the number of years in a row that he's done it. Right, he's just done it since he turned twenty-two or something. Right, he's just done it. Uh huh. Anyway, okay. Well, no, I'm. I'm actually. You've convinced me with that one with the with Messi. Right. What about Federer? I uh-huh. just think he's the best of all, the greatest of all time. You think he he is the greatest of all time? There was the same number of Grand Slams. There was the same number of Grand right? Slams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, although of course you would say like it's relative competition. So Federer for the first, um, like what four or five years of his dominance, no one else was particularly good, and so it's only when Federer is challenged by Nadal that you start mm. to be like, yeah, Federer is like legitimately good at tennis, and in yeah. an era where, um. There was four great players, probably, with Murray being the the least great of the four. Mm. Like Federer was still very good, but he wasn't supreme in that era. Like Nadal won a lot. Nadal, like I think you can say Nadal is the greatest clay court tennis player of all time. Yeah, that so, seems. So if you say Nadal is the greatest clay court tennis player of all time, can you still say that Federer is the greatest tennis player of all time? Oh, you fucking can. Just watch him play tennis, man. Like So you've gone back to the idea. <laughs> which is to watch I have him gone be back like, to the idea. Has he seen him like make a backhand? Because his backhand's like beautiful to watch. <laughs> I I I think I'm more persuaded by the messy one. For Federer, I think his his record is having won the most grand slams and the way uh-huh. he won them. My argument, my skip. argument isn't that um, anyone who is that no one in the current era can be the greatest of all time. It's just that mm. we like seem to use the phrase, the, the term "goat" gets used a huge amount, and then talking mm. of players as like the best to ever do it happens mm. a huge amount now. Like yeah. at any given time. In any sport at the moment, there's always someone who's like the best to lace them up ever. Yeah, no, that's and that. Yeah, you're right that that can't be the case. Really, just logically, can't be the case. Um, the reason that I started thinking about this was um, someone tweeted about Virat Kohli being the greatest of all time earlier, 
And I was like, oh, I don't think you can say he's the greatest of all time at the moment because he's just not nearly old enough and we haven't mm. had time to dwell on his career. After 20 years, then I'm happy to say, I mean, I mean this is maybe just me being a historian, but I want to take time and stop having the emotional moment of having looked at him play a good game of football or a nice cricket shot and be like, oh shit, no, I mean, that guy's fucking badass. He's so much better than these other guys playing. And go, well, he's not the top run scorer of all time. He's not like, he's not got the highest conversion rate. He's not got the highest century rate or whatever. But at the same time, you can't just say it's only stats. Because if you say it's only stats, then modern players are always going to be better because they have better Mm -hmm. technology, fitness. Yeah. And in the case of almost all sport, far more opportunities to produce those stats. There are more internationals, club games, and mm-hmm. all forms of the sport now. Like there's almost nothing where they play less than they did in the sixties. Almost everything they play more. Mm-hmm. Everything's been expanded because of money. Yeah, no, I actually I hadn't considered that fact. When I was thinking, I was just thinking in terms of pure amount of things won, or and there and you know the way in which they do it. I like feats of of skill, right? That are just blow my mind. But you're right that you can't compare. Uh, I'm I'm totally with you on this trope. It's a very common trope. Yeah, it's definitely a trope, right? Sometimes it is genuinely the greatest of all time. Sometimes we can just go, they were really good. They don't have yeah. to be the best ever. Lewis Hamilton, there was an article I read about if Hamilton wins another championship, is he the best ever? Or like whatever. Well, it's like He still I won fewer championships than uh, Schumacher. So it'd be... But like, is that what counts? Because in a sport like Formula One, your car and it's your car's relative dominance to the rest of the field yeah. is massively yeah. important. Yeah. For Messi, like... Messi is really good at football. For sure, Messi is really good at football. Definitely one of the best players ever. One of the best players of the last 25 years, for sure. But Messi, since he was a child, has played in the best team ever. Like that Barcelona team that had Xavi and Iniesta and Silva and everyone was like, and fucking big Puyol at the back. They were the best team in the world, at every position, basically. That Spain national team spanked mm. everyone and won the World Cup and the European Championships. And definitely he has a bit of a benefit from that. I'm not saying that he wasn't an integral part of that, but I'm saying yeah, no, that you're helps right. him too. It's a lot, actually, That there's something that Wenger said about um, the Ballon d'Or, which was that in a team game, it really doesn't make any sense to have an individual player award because if that, what it ends up being is who scored the most goals, right? Yeah. But whether you get the opportunities to score the most goals or whether your team's set up to funnel you to be the guy who is the guy with all the chances, you know, like it, it, it matters hugely how your team plays around you. And and it is a bit weird. It's the same thing as player ratings when you watch, you know, like it's it's the collective that matters. And it's weird when individual players get awards and, and they're called the goat. So really, should anyone be called the greatest of all time when 
when they play it's it's even harder to say that when they play in a team sport yeah you right know, that's the other thing with it's tennis it's easier you know or something like that or snooker whatever the greatest yeah. of all time was probably Carlos Tevez when he was playing with that absolutely fucking shite West Ham team and he just <laughs> propelled them to to keep them up. Like I reckon that's probably the greatest of all time. Yeah, you you know these are the stories that aren't covered, right, when you think about greatest of all time. So, yeah. Like individual players on teams Matt Letizier, that's it. Greatest of all time was Matt Letizier. He was amazing. Yeah, I know Southampton, yeah. And Southampton were twats so yeah. i'm going matt Letizia for the goat <laughs> there you go <laughs> he'd absolutely crank it with his foot left foot yeah yeah okay lovely great okay so predictions um i am gonna go down the rugby track this time we've got the august internationals coming up um, Wales are playing Scotland on Saturday, the third of November, a couple of, about ten days time, um, and England are playing against South Africa. And um, I am gonna say that at some point in the next week and the next two weeks, there's gonna be huge overreaction to the performance of any of the international teams in the autumn internationals. <laughs> so like every single time these happen and Scotland quite often do quite well and then it doesn't translate into anything when it comes to the six nations or the world cup or anything like um England will beat South Africa and they'll be like England best team in the world. And then they'll get pumped by New Zealand the week the week after, or vice versa. And like, I think these um, autumn internationals really don't tell you a great deal about how your international rugby teams doing. They are basically friendlies, they're warm ups. Is my opinion. Okay. Uh, what a, what's your prediction for the future? Yeah, you'll probably just pluck some complete arse. <laughs> <laughs> I, and then it'll turn out to be right, and I'll be well pissed off. So I'm going for. I've we've just got the news from the U.S. Grand Prix that Sebastian uh, that Lewis Hamilton hasn't won uh, the drivers' championship this week. But I reckon it, we got that news direct. They phoned yeah, us in the news. middle of this. They were like, Hello. as I was uh, as I was googling, trying to frantically think of a prediction. Um, so I'm going to go with something Formula One. I think probably it'll be sewn up in two weeks time if not two weeks after that but i'm going to go for let's say yep. it's sewn up in two weeks time uh i'm going to go for pieces about sebastian vettel who's a ferrari driver who was seen as the main challenger to hamilton and ferrari this year have the faster car and lewis hamilton's still going to win it potentially with games with um races to spare so I'm going to go. Yeah. He is definitely going to win it, by the way. There's, that's how Formula One can get a bit ridiculous, yeah. but the way that the points work, he is definitely going to win it. We're now just waiting yeah. to see which race he yeah, wins. Yeah, pretty on. much. Um, so I, I think that there's going to be something about Sebastian Vettel and is he a choker? Does he, is he just oh, like, is he, is he just not an artichoke? Is he? <laughs> 
Is he a sneaky Is he a choker? Because, uh, you know, he had the, those periods of dominance with Red Bull, but there wasn't really anyone in with a car to challenge him. And that was when he got his four world championships. And can he just not handle pressure? And does he really have the chops? Mm. And how much of his success in the past was just because he had a good car, not because he's a great driver? Whereas Lewis Hamilton's a driver where it's kind of not really disputed his quality as a driver. Because he he's, I think he's the only... Um, I think he's the only driver to have won a race every season he's been in Formula One. Like pretty much whatever car yeah. you give him, he'll find some way of pulling out of the bag. And he is legitimately probably the he's probably the I know we just had a whole piece about goats, right? But he's he's the best driver of this generation except maybe you'd say Alonso was the other guy with the raw talent to match. Yeah, Alonso's this funny case as well because like everyone said, Oh yeah, Alonso's the best racer. That's what lots of people would mm. say, but there's not really any evidence to back that. I, I would say it has, he hasn't had a car to do it in for about five or six years. So I think that his memories, not, memories fade. But quickly. he has also been Tish for a long mm. time. Um, yeah, you, uh, and everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, Alonso's the best racer." Whereas I feel pretty confident that if you put Alonso and Hamilton in the same car, Hamilton I would think have wrecked. So. I think that I think what people are remembering is maybe um, the first few years Hamilton was in Formula One, which also overlapped a bit with Alonso being good. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, so I reckon there's going to be something about that, and I think it's a shame because I think Vettel. I mean, it's five margins, and he had a lot. They had a lot of tactical errors, and I don't think the car actually is that dominant. I think on different tracks, it's different amounts. So it's a it's another one where the car, the team, the decisions made on race day, everything can go against you. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that that Hamilton is probably the more talented driver, but to then translate that into is Vettel not really a worthy champion. I think would be a bit sh- a bit shit for Vettel. So that's my prediction. I think it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like had a crazy amount of success in the sport and it's been weirdly sullied by like people saying that it doesn't really count. Yeah. Yeah. Which is is harsh. So really I think harsh. if I think that if that might happen when you know, whenever Lewis Hamilton gets over the line with this championship, you'll see some of those pieces maybe. Great. Well, that's our predictions. Uh, be sure to join us for the next episode and check in, see how we, we did. Keep an eye out. Yes. Um, as ever, leave us any feedback personally. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and you can also follow at the Arabs on Twitter. <laughs> Um, which which we both do and we would encourage you to do too. You can follow me, I'm at Callum underscore GU Andy, you are Andy S underscore GU and um, you can find all of our episodes of the podcast at our Tumblr page, can they? It's WordPress, I think it's it's www.thegreatunderreaction.wordpress.com Okay um and did you have anything left to say before I leave our listeners with Luis Suarez doing the Ewok screen once again? <laughs> no, uh, just to, um, if you like us, tell your friends who you think will like us too. Share it yeah. on social media and also get in touch because, you know, sometimes we just feels like we're just talking to each other. But when you look at the listens on the website, you can see people listen. But uh, yeah, yeah. 
it'd be nice to hear from folks. Yeah, I've not um, sworn at Alan this episode, which is great. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, or given shout-outs to my parents. And um, also, my dad said that his, his friend at work, Ian Kinnear, is a, <laughs> a big fan. So thank you That's for great. listening. I'm, I'm happy with, you know, the degrees of freedom thing. If we can, you know, the six degrees of freedom thing, where everyone, you know, if you get six degrees of freedom, there's only six connections to everyone in the whole world you know that oh yeah yeah well, is that the same thing as like everyone's related to genghis khan yeah something i'm probably similar anyway the the i'm happier as long as like you know like one degree of separation or two degrees of separation if that's our listenership i would be very happy with that so tell people to be honest the fact that anyone's listening at all i'm very thankful for and i also think even the people who do listen are not listening to this but no i agree shall i I get up the let's go to the last episode let's see how much that got listened to no no let's just say goodbye no no okay we say goodbye and then and then okay (laughs) this is okay goodbye About a lucky man who made the grade And though the news was rather sad Well, I just had to laugh I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car Didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood and stared They'd seen his face before Nobody was really sure if he was on the house